everyone. Welcome to another episode of The Marrow Show by Marrow Ministries. I'm Alexander Wade. I'm here with Nick Kennecott and Luke Walker. And today we're talking about family business, man. The stuff that you, that just, man, it's unique to your family as a Christian. Uh, and it's stuff that happens in-house that doesn't get talked about enough. So, uh, so we're going to talk about that a little bit today. So, and we want to let you know, right, uh, we're doing this topic because one of our uh, folks uh, that have supported us uh, for a long time uh, that has access to top secret chat rooms and channels and things like that that you're going to want access to, uh, they suggested this topic to us. And so, man, uh, thank you so much for the topic. And, and that's how we get down. If you want to uh, submit suggestions, uh, there's a way to do that. We'll talk about that at the end. All right. But uh, family business, man, uh, all of us here are believers, uh, but all of us have members of our family, uh, extended family, uh, that are unbelievers. Mm-hmm. And uh, inevitably, we're going to have interactions. We're going to spend time. There's going to be scenarios in which uh, those two worlds uh, collide. And there's nothing we can do about it. We're going to be around each other. Uh, so uh, that's what we're going to talk about today, man. As Christians, how can we how do we navigate those times uh, when when we are uh, 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 together, spending time co coexisting uh, with our unbelieving uh, family members? So, uh, so Nick, man, to kick that off, man, just just broadly speaking, uh, I'm assuming you've got people in your family, uh, like I've got people in my family. Uh, has that been a difficulty that you've had to navigate? Sure, of course. I think uh, the best remedy I saw recently around Thanksgiving time, someone posted something on Twitter. It was an apple pie and out of the crust they had written unvaccinated and ready to talk politics. (laughs) Just come right out with it. (laughs) But yeah, definitely. I mean, I I think uh, any Christian has to deal with this and it's not just family, it's friends, coworkers, neighbors, whatever. But Mm -hmm. obviously family is a big one because um, we're going to be in situations where I mean, we want to talk to our family about life and and what we're uh, excited about, what we're thankful for, and and we're coming at that at a very different place. And if you have family members who are not just not Christians but hostile to the gospel, mm-hmm. um, it's a very difficult position to be in. And knowing how much to say, how much to hold back, what to say, how to say it. Uh, a lot of times makes a lot of Christians nervous and, and a lot of people have said it and I think it's, it's, it's true on a lot, of, uh, a lot of levels that trying to evangelize your family is some of the most difficult people that we can have evangelistic relationships and conversations with um, because they know us very well, we know them and, uh, and you know, but the reality is that we're driven to do that because we care about their soul. We care about them. We love them more than other people in our lives. And so we want what's best for them. So we have to be able to uh, to pave the right road to walk on to where we don't get to a place where they don't want anything to do with us. Mm-hmm. But at the same time that we don't back down from or hide our convictions mm-hmm. about the gospel. Um, because there will come a time in many of their lives when they are up against a wall and they don't know what to do or where to turn. And hopefully we've created an environment where it's safe for them to come talk to us. Mm-hmm. That's good. And look, man, along the same lines, I'm sure you've, again, got yeah. family members that you've uh, uh, maybe worlds apart in terms of in terms of worldview, but man, they're family, right? And you're yeah. going to have times when those situations, uh, how have you found yourself navigating those? 
So, I mean, it's the, the issue is, as a Christian, you're thinking, I have to take a stand on God's truth, and I don't want to compromise God's truth, and I don't want to affirm sin in other people. But this is not just any other people. This is family, so you have obligations to them. So it's really a, a way of finding that sweet spot of how you can stand for truth, but also meet your your obligations as a family member. So if it's your parents, you have an obligation to honor your father and mother. That doesn't end when you leave and cleave and start a family. You still have that. It's different than when you were a kid, but yet it's there. Yeah. So you have this obligation um, to do that. But if your family member is in some open sin, we all sin in many ways, right? Mm -hmm. But some sort of openly rebellious type of sin, then it becomes more difficult. How do I honor my family or love them and also get through to them that what they're doing is not okay. So I've had this to degrees, you know, in my family, in my immediate family, not really in my extended family too much. There's been those moments of tension in those times where, you know, I probably didn't handle it the best being a younger Christian. Mm -hmm. However, a lot of those things have worked themselves out actually. Mm -hmm. So not really any high standing issues right now, but we all deal with it, right? Mm -hmm. The temptation for a younger Christian is really just, I think, to cut off. Yeah. To make that stand and cut off. As you grow as a believer, you realize, no, this is a relationship I want to steward. And there has to be a way. But think about Paul with the authorities. He's taking his stand for Christ. They're persecuting him for it. And yet he's, he found a way to, to, he's not budging at all, but he's also showing them honor. Yeah. Even in his disagreement. And that's really what we want to strive for. Yeah. The, other, the other side of that, you said a lot of young believers just want to cut people off. The other side of that is to put everyone on blast, mm. is to really go in. Every time I see you, every time we talk, the conversation is me just blasting everything about you and your life. And, um, and that's what I was saying. It really comes into, well, they know you as well. Mm -hmm. And so if you're coming, especially if you're coming from a place that's very... Uh, that we would recognize as very legalistic. Um, they would know that in, in what you have in your life and the ways you're not consistent, and it's just kind of an ugly thing. But, but really, what often ends up happening is uh, you have people sort of identifying behaviors in someone else's life as an unbeliever, and they want to see behavioral change um, because this person is acting like an unsaved worldly person. Well, of course they are. That's what Paul tells us. Of course they're going to act like the world. They're in the world. Uh, so instead of identifying behaviors and, and just going after behaviors, uh, and, and it could be some kind of perpetual sin or some sinful lifestyle a person is living in, instead of going after that, just deal with the gospel. Deal with their soul. Deal with the content of, of the faith. That, uh, because ultimately, a person is not going to hell because of whatever some particular sin is. They're going to hell because they've rejected Christ. And you don't want to communicate to them that that's it, and if you got that together, you'd be good. That's right. It's much worse than that. Yep. Yeah. Yep. So, in terms of obligation, I know with a lot of these relationships, uh, people kind of will impose uh, certain obligations on themselves for those interactions. Yeah. And it can look different. Um, they may, may feel obligated to um, uh, keep them 
uh, away, depending on the situation. They may, may feel obligated uh, to uh, explicitly uh, 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 share the gospel with them every single time they get together. Um, but in dealing with family, um, and, and it might be something like holidays or birthdays or significant events like weddings, or if you're gonna see your family mm -hmm. a lot in those contexts. Um, is there an obligation that the believing person should feel um, for every time they see their family, their unbelieving family member, or um, at some point, are they just at liberty to say, hey, you know, um, I just wanna have lighthearted engagement with you. You know, oh, you yeah. come, we chill, we laugh, we eat, you leave, and the fact that we just didn't fight about something is, is all I really wanted. Are, they, are we at liberty uh, to, to have relationships like that? Well, of course, I mean, ideally you want to communicate that gospel to your loved ones. And if you've done that, mm -hmm. and if you've warned them and expressed your disagreement about certain things, then you've done that. And if it comes out and there's open doors, then sure, again. But to know that you've declared the good news to them can really spend the rest of your relationship adorning that mm -hmm. by being kind and merciful and loving to them. Those aren't working against each other. Now, if you're, have, you haven't told them, mm -hmm. maybe it's a little different, Yeah. right? But mm -hmm. you're not going to be doing it every time like that. Right. I don't think that's wise. Yeah. Some, some people seem to have this idea that evangelism is really about telling someone the gospel over and over and over and over again. Mm -hmm. And that eventually, if we do it enough times, God will eventually say, okay, on the 51st time of you sharing the gospel, then I will save them. Um, and that's just simply not the case. That's always for you, 51st. <laughs> right, 51st. <laughs> um, no, this seven, 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 <laughs> 777th time, the number of perfection. Hmm. Um, but the reality is we share the gospel and when opportunities present themselves, we can do that again and point to the hope that is within us and, uh, and our concern for them. But on top of that is <clears throat> the day-to-day -day living out our lives in such a way that reflects the truth of what we believe. That we, uh, it, it's not an either-or kind of thing. It's both and. That our, our lives are not just lived with people in our families where every conversation we have uh, has to eventually lead to that place, or that I have disobeyed the Lord if I uh, leave a family gathering without standing up in the middle of the meal and saying, you know, I have a, I have a toast, and my toast is sharing the gospel with everyone and calling them to, to faith and repentance, or, or whatever the case is. Mm -hmm. um, and in fact, to be that way, I think, uh, can sometimes uh, be a hindrance and not a help to achieve what we're, we're really hoping to, to accomplish. And you look at someone like Paul, for example, when he was at the Areopagus, um, he was very winsome. Mm -hmm. he, he looked at the situation he was in, he assessed the circumstances of the environment, and he used what he saw around to be able to talk to these men about the gospel. Um, instead of just coming and saying, you're all a bunch of pagan philosophers, I'm gonna put you on blast now. Um, he worked within the context of where they were, and some believed, some had more questions, and some rejected him. Um, that's ideal, 
when we're in those those relationships and conversations and and we need to be mindful of that so we don't just turn everyone away and turn everyone off yeah. now it may happen at times but that's not the goal and yeah. it allows us to just be natural yeah it's not on us to save everybody it's yeah. not on us we seek to persuade but but even as we're loving them and we're, we're persuading them with our conduct so mm -hmm. It's just that sense of ease to be yourself and trust God, Yeah, you know, rather than to force it and push those agendas. Mm -hmm. You're not going to convince them to believe right there on the spot, probably. Mm -hmm. And you don't want to give that impression, Yeah, you know. So, you know, as you all were talking, I, uh, I'm, I'm thinking that um, hospitality comes into play mm -hmm. here in some way. Um, as you were talking, you, you used the phrase to, to um, would you say something along the lines of something that had to do with your conduct? Uh, I can't remember. That was golden. It was probably pretty pretty good. But essentially, winning people with your conduct or, or something along those lines. So, but hospitality, how do, how do we, where does hospitality come into play in these interactions? And how do we walk the line between um, being hospitable as Christians uh, to people who don't believe? Um, but also not taking that all the way as far as uh, uh, preach the gospel at all times, if necessary, use words. Right. Right. Um, so, so how do we walk that line? Uh, because we want to be hospitable. Um, uh, we want to use that and be able to leverage our hospi hosp uh, our hospitality. Uh, but, um, yeah, the gospel is the gospel. Our hospitality is not going to save somebody. Right. You know? So, so yeah. How do you guys see that playing out? Mm -hmm. Well, there, I, think, uh, I think the first thing to keep in mind is that we not think of something like hospitality as sort of this a means to an end. Mm -hmm. In other words, I'm going to invite you over to my house, but when you come here, really, my agenda is not to, um, to serve you, to love you, to talk to you, to take care of you. My agenda is to have this conversation with you that we've already had a dozen times. Now, praise God if opportunity presents itself and you're able to do that. But at the same time, that someone doesn't feel like they've been trapped. Mm -hmm. Like, you set all this up and you've trapped me. Um, a bait and switch. Yeah, 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 right. A bait and switch. It's like a sales tactic. Um, so I think it's important to be careful with that. Because people will see right through it, and uh, and we we ruin our opportunity. I think we ruin our witness in doing so. But um, you know, I I do think there's the balance being yes, we have to proclaim the gospel. We need to make it clear and explicit. Um, but at the same time, uh, you know, not uh, not continuing to, and and especially I think if you have a family member for example, who has said something like, I've had this happen, where they say, please just don't talk to me about this anymore. Mm -hmm. We've had the conversation. I don't believe that. I don't want to talk about it. I want to be around you. I want to have a relationship with you, but I don't want to talk about this every time. And uh, I think that is where Jesus gets to the place of saying to continue to do so in that situation would be to cast pearls before swine. Mm -hmm. That you know, you've said what you needed to say. You're around them. They see your life playing out. And many times they see your life going really well and theirs not going so well. They see you praising and thanking God for everything, even when t things are tough. 
And, uh, and I've had opportunities where people have come to me sometimes years later and they've had issues in their life and they want some feedback, they want some advice. Now they're asking me and they've opened the door for me to be able to walk in there. So, um, so if you're going to be hospitable, do so for the sake of being hospitable. Mm-hmm. And, and that is a Christian virtue. Mm-hmm. It is something that we do out of a love for God and our desire to love our neighbor, whoever that may be, and not as a bait and switch to where we're getting them in the door because we have this agenda. Even though in those instances, if they're there and are open and willing, we can have that conversation. That's right. And mm-hmm. that's something to pray for. Yes. Even Paul, the great apostle, <clears throat> He prayed for open doors. Pray for us that there may be an open door for the Word. That means that in conversations and in relationships, there is something of an opportunity. Yep. And that's what you want to pray for. And if that presents itself, praise the Lord. Yeah, mm-hmm. take it. But if it doesn't, all right, keep praying for that. And no need to do that. Yeah. You know? Yeah. As we uh, engage and pursue and spend time around our unbelieving family members, I know that there have been many people put in situations where they feel like um, they're open uh, to what we're talking about. Like, man, I just want to have good, healthy, uh, hospitable uh, interactions uh, with my family, even if they're unbelievers, genuinely enjoy my time with them. But sometimes they end up in these situational moments where they feel like, man, this kind of crosses a line that I'm not comfortable with. and. Uh, I'm not saying like no to you forever, but I'm saying no to this right now, right? Um, and so, um, uh, one thing that came to mind um, was in First uh, Corinthians 10, uh, 27. It says, "If unbeliever uh, invites you to dinner and you're disposed to go, eat whatever set before you without raising question on the ground of conscience. But if someone says to you, this has been offered in sacrifice, then do not eat it for the sake of the one who's who informed you for the sake of of conscience, right? So, there's scenarios in which it's like, okay, hey, I'm around an unbeliever and I mean, you're offering me some food, like, all right, man, come on, sit down and eat, right? I'm offered Luke, like a smorgasbord of all types of fantastic meats, right? Yeah, ham uh, sandwiches <clears> with <throat> extra bacon. All that, right? Mm-hmm. Meat lovers pizza, right? I've all been that. in that situation, eat what is before you. I have, I've suffered and died to myself. It's happened. Oh, good. Mm-hmm. We can't wait to see it in person. That's behind the right. paywall. <laughs> <laughs> but... But you may find yourself in a situation that, that for the sake of conscience or for the sake of what I believe is, is, is obeying God or what have you, like, I just can't do that, yeah. right? I can't partake in that. Um, and so, so how does a believer um, who loves their family, um, wants to, to, to be welcoming and hospitable and uh, continue to build uh, a good relationship with their unbelieving family members, um, how do they discern the moments uh, when, you know what, I th- I think in this case, uh, I just can't be there for that, or I can't have you bring that to me, or yeah. anything like that. What's, we're, we're, so, you we, know, yeah. if, if you're thinking of something like homosexual marriage, right. um, that's an issue that gets brought up when Christians think about, would you attend a wedding of your unbelieving friends? Sure. I mean, Christians do that all the time. Would you attend a wedding of your unbelieving friends if they were gay? And most Christians would say, in my experience, no, I, I can't in good conscience approve what they're doing mm. because I believe it's lawful for unbelievers to get married, but I don't believe it's lawful for same-sex couples to get married. Mm. That's one example of a situation where a Christian is really going to be faced with, how do I, how do I, what, what should I do here? Mm-hmm. You know, I don't want to do anything that affirms it. 
I still want to express my love for them and that I'm still their family and everything. And that's where things can get tricky, I think. Yeah. Now, in that, the more kind we are, the more loving we are, if it's someone over us like our parent, um, even if we're grown-ups, the more honoring we are to them, the more it highlights those disagreements because they're going to know it's not coming from a because you're a disagreeable person. Right. Because you hate them. As much as we can bring those two things together, it really adorns each other like, oh, they're really taking a stand on this. We mm. must really believe this, mm -hmm. that this is true. Yep. So may, taking those stands is a good thing, especially the more loving and honoring we are to our families. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think uh, what you'll often see is two dynamics play out in that. One is um, that people who you assume would be very hostile for you taking a certain stand will actually respect the fact that you're standing on principle, even if they don't agree with it. Mm. I think we always assume they're not going to agree with this, therefore if I take this stand then they're going to oppose me, they're going to cut me down, cut me off, whatever the case may be. And often that's not the case. That they're, you know, that people can be decent and say, okay, well, we don't agree, but I can appreciate your position, and and that's okay. Now, obviously, some of the the fear we have in that is because of our current cultural climate, where it's like, apparently, we're not allowed to disagree with a given narrative. But, mm -hmm. um, but I do think that is one element of that, especially with family. Mm -hmm. If they've known you your whole life and you love each other, that they'll, they'll maybe respect that more than we assume. The other extreme of that, though, is that no matter how loving, no matter how kind, no matter how honoring, there will be people that, because we take certain stands, they will think that we are hateful bigots whatever word they want to throw at us to say this is who you are and and there's no way around that mm -hmm. and that's where Jesus comes in and says I've not come to bring peace I've come to bring a sword and that is going to divide mother against daughter and father against son and and he goes down the whole list and and I think we don't take that seriously enough that Jesus said that and that's a reality in this life that sadly, unfortunately, there will be times because people reject the truth, not us individually, really they're rejecting Christ and the truth of the scriptures, uh, that they won't want anything to do with us. And it's not because we are intentionally pushing them away, it's simply because we have, um, we're standing on the truth of the scriptures, they don't like it, they feel Ultimately, they feel judged by it because they are being judged by the truth. Mm -hmm. and, and they're uh, undoubtedly convicted also. Right, right, absolutely. And so uh, we have to go into these knowing that the more you stand for truth, uh, the more likely it is that you're going to have people who reject you no matter what. Mm -hmm. You can be the nicest person to them in the whole world. But as soon as you say this one thing, it's over for them, and we have to be able to, to deal with that. Mm. You know, as, as Marrow Ministries, we're always talking and thinking about the law and the gospel, mm -hmm. and, and I'm sitting here wondering even now, you know, uh, in these various scenarios, I've got multiple familial situations I've been in where, uh, you know, it's like you can take this really staunch, you know, legalistic, kind of bent uh, that people feel in your engagement with them 
you know, it's like, yo, this guy's like all law. You know, it's like I'm not a person. It's like I'm a legal document right. that they're reading over. <laughs> right. You know what I'm saying? And um, uh, but then you also have the, the the impact of the gospel on your own life and in your own heart and, mm-hmm. and, and understanding um, how vile how vile you were and how much you've been forgiven. Um, and um, and it can soften it can soften you towards people and um, have you know that even though they don't believe now, it's not a guarantee that they never will. You know? That's right. Yeah. Um, I always appreciated R.C. Sproul. Um, he kind of had this general uh, thing that he would say, hey, I, he said, I assume the election of all people. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and he said it just helped him with talking to people who were even um, very vocal unbelievers. Sure. Because um, it's to say, you know, I have no idea. You know, I have no idea who the elect are and who they aren't. And it's better for my heart to assume their election, even though they may not be regenerate at the moment. Yeah. Um, and it kept his heart soft towards people. It was also uh, very helpful for RC uh, to justify baptizing babies. <laughs> I think that might come in handy right yeah, there. Yeah. <laughs> and just find out later, be like, oops. <laughs> yeah. Oops on that one. <laughs> oh, man. But, but with that in mind, man, think, <laughs> thinking about uh, God's word, uh, thinking about the gospel, um, uh, man, how do you guys, how have you uh, kept your hearts uh, soft? How have you, uh, uh, what has enabled you to be patient with people in your life, family in your life, um, who, man, they don't believe, they totally disagree with you, uh, but they're your family, and from time to time you're going to be around each other. And, um, yeah, what keeps your heart soft towards these folks? Mm-hmm. Well, I think that's some good advice right there. Um, you just don't know. If somebody was to become a Christian, if you were to know this person is going to become a Christian, you'd speak in such a way to them that you'd be respectful in all that. You wouldn't. It'd be hard to get frustrated with them if you believe that, because you'd want to be able to look back with a clean conscience on how you engaged with them. You know, you wouldn't want to quarrel. You'd be even. So it's good to keep in mind that there is that hope. Um, but yo, like if you've preached the gospel, they know what you believe. They see your life, which is going to be a good life. It may be a difficult life. There may be sufferings coming your way. But the way a Christian bears up under that is going to be different. They're going to notice that. So whether it's a, you know things are going very well and it's wholesome or whatever, they can't help but see that. So you just, for me, it's like I try to let that do what it does. And as the years roll by, that's just like affirmed more and more mm-hmm. well they may be on a path that's you know, leaving them miserable mm-hmm. they're very aware of that I don't have to highlight that yeah so you know you just hang out yeah mm-hmm. be happy to see them mm-hmm. you love them so yeah. whatever yeah uh, I'd say for me the biggest thing has been to pray for them that if I if I'm praying for the people of my family who are unbelievers then the Lord works in my heart a greater concern for their soul and so a greater concern for how I communicate with them and a greater desire to maintain a relationship with them and not let it get to a place as far as I'm able to help it to where they are uh, they are repelled and uh, and then we're not able to have any kind of relationship whatsoever um, and and for me that's been the biggest thing um, that if I'm it's it's a cliche, but I think it's true. It's it's really difficult to uh, to grow angry and impatient with the people you're praying for the most. Thanks for joining us in this episode of the Marrow Show. We hope you enjoyed it. 
Uh, make sure you tune in next week for part two. And make sure you check us out on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube. Like, share, and subscribe. We'll see you next time. Thank you.